This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Uh, let's uh, do this. I'm here with girlfriend of the show, Justina Sparling. Hello, Justina. Hello. <laughs> Everyone says friend of the show, but do shows ever have girlfriends or boyfriends? Not until now. This one does, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a comedy shop talk episode. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, you can always check out old episodes of the podcast. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud and soon Stitcher. I am publicly saying it, so I will do it. Yeah, for your cousin. <laughs> yes, for my <laughs> one person who wants to hear it, uh, <laughs> on, who has Stitcher and exclusively does Stitcher. So we'll get on there. You can also go to thereitispod.com, plenty of information on there, old episodes, some blogs, and uh, other things like uh, how to support and everything like that. Well, folks, uh, as I said, this is a comedy shop talk episode, and in these episodes, we just like to talk a little comedy talk shop. Uh, If the name doesn't already tell you what we're going to talk about, (laughs) it's comedy. Let's start, so a lot of people are talking about Harvey Weinstein, and of course we recently did the har- harassment or ha- harassment episode. Harassment. A lot of people say harassment. Mm, a lot of people are British, so. Well, yeah, I've yeah, heard it both well, ways. Great. Awesome, great. And, uh, but a lot of people are still talking about this, and more people are. It's, it's not getting old because, like, it's, it's still out Harvey Weinstein, and that's, still pretty recent but it's also like more and more people are coming out Mm -hmm. you know like this guy did this this director did this yeah james toback it's Mm -hmm. news it's new news but i'm like oh it's just like bad bad creepy yeah nasty news you know yeah it's good that people are being exposed yes but it is a drag to read the stories and i've been reading a lot not that the news prior to this was you know great yeah exactly yeah (laughs) but you know but one of the questions that i saw and this is before the james toback stuff was coming out and he's a director if you don't know who over 30 women have come out and accused him of harassment and um he's apparently a known perv everyone knew he's a weirdo he's not he doesn't carry a lot of clout he's not like harvey weinstein so the significance of pointing that out is someone who had an incredible amount of power was harassing people, assaulting people, using that power to abuse people and to keep it quiet. Then you also have kind of Bush League people that not that many people cared about or talked about also ha- condoning himself in the same sort of way um, and in the same sort of behavior. It's really just shows how rampant that sort of behavior is and so when asked hypothetically will hollywood change i think it's a good question i think it's something that we need to think about but i think it will i mean people are being exposed people are being rooted out 
But right. I think what it's going to take is a lot of people have been saying uh, that the studio heads and, and producers, there need to be more women in the boardroom and, and uh, more women's voices need to be heard as directors and writers. And I think that's obviously true and significant, but it's also going to just take training. People need to learn what is harassment and what is inappropriate behavior. And I know, and, know. That, and I know you're right, but that always like is a weird concept to me because it to me it's it feels like they missed out on training. The training was good parenting. <laughs> I don't know, it's something yeah. stupid, whatever. But but part of me is kind of like, oh, he's 28 and he's a predator. Not much you can do about that, you know. And maybe I'm wrong, and I. I'm completely open to me being wrong about that, but I don't know. And also, also people could be, um, you know, just unaware of what is friendly and what is too flirty, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm sure that training would be beneficial in those instances, but I don't know. I well, don't know. yeah, you bring up a good point that a lot of it is parenting. It is how people are raised. But Crack.com even mentioned how ingrained this idea of like women really want you even when they say no Mm -hmm. uh going back to star wars when leia is saying like she's rebuffing han solo and even like elbows him and pushes him away she's a strong confident princess (laughs) you know like she's royalty and this smuggler is just like keeps trying to make the moves on her. Yeah. And then he wins her. Right. You know, like yeah, next yeah. movie, she's saying, I love you. And so. we all loved it. Right, right. <laughs> like one of the greatest lines in a movie is, I love you. I know. Yeah. You know, like that taught little boys a bad lesson. Yeah. And I don't think that was the lesson George Lucas and other people involved were trying to teach, but it's inadvertently what they ended up teaching. Yeah. So a lot of just mindsets are going to have to change. And, you know, like people are dragging actors and, and, and actresses, too, uh, through the mud and talking about this. But honestly, of course, they need to change and do better. But ob- if they, you know, like, uh, I don't know, there's some male actors named as like you knew something and you should have said something. And I agree with that. But it's these directors and producers. They either need to not be in that position or they need training of uh what is appropriate they need people need to be reprogrammed we are programmed to think a certain way and we need i think uh reprogramming needs to happen and i think that's what it's going to take for stuff to happen yeah i mean but also it's it's hard to train people in positions of power Mm -hmm. in positions of so much power Mm -hmm. i don't i think they're beyond training personally like they just need to be removed you know yeah i think for Um, the most part that's what it's going to take yeah yeah yep 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 well, I'm glad we agree. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Harvey Weinstein and comedy, and this being a comedy show, there was a event that went on. James Corden, host of The Late Late Show, hosted that event, and he came under fire for some jokes he made that were, um, some saw at the expense of women, um, And so let me just read a couple of those jokes so we can just discuss joke writing and handling sensitive topics. Uh, This is one of the jokes he made at the beginning of the show. This is a beautiful room. It's a beautiful night here in L.A. It's so beautiful. Harvey Weinstein has already asked tonight up to his hotel to give him a massage. Pretty tame-ish joke. 
but we'll talk about that in a second. Another joke. It has been weird this week, though, watching Harvey Weinstein in hot water. Ask any woman who watched him take a bath. And then he also said, Harvey Weinstein wanted to come tonight, but sadly he'll settle for whatever potted plant is closest. These jokes were getting a lot of groans. <laughs> the first one, not as many as the others, but uh, the first one got groans and kind of some laughs, and he made a comment right after that. I was like, I can't tell if you're groans or that you don't like the joke or that you do like the joke. And then when he told that last one, it got the biggest groans. And his response to their groaning and not liking the joke was, oh, come on, which is not really the best reaction when your audience is saying, hey, we don't like this. Um, You know, he wasn't the only person to make jokes in this topic. SNL had some jokes and Seth Meyers had some jokes, which actually made me laugh out loud. I didn't really like James Corden's joke. So I started just thinking from a writing standpoint, what was the difference and what what made the difference here? Uh, and Seth Meyers joke was that, uh, you know, the topic of Harvey, a lot of women have come out accusing Harvey Weinstein of harassment, including asking them to watch him shower. And then he, I can't remember the exact wording, but he said essentially, uh, which makes people wonder that guy took a shower and in the SNL Weekend Update, after all this stuff came out, um, Colin Jost essentially, his punchline was just like, Harvey Weinstein needs to be in jail. And Michael Che's jokes were, I can't remember the first one. It was along the same lines as the second one. The second one was, he looks like a dressed up skin tag. So these jokes from SNL and Seth Meyers, what's in the punchline is making fun of Harvey Weinstein, particularly his looks. Seth Meyers jokes, Michael Che's jokes, they're all, they all were making fun of how Harvey Weinstein looks. Whereas James Corden's jokes, the punchline was the harassment or the abuse or the assault. And that's where you lose people. When you make the funny part of the joke, what's supposed to be the funny part of the joke, something that's not funny, I think you lose people. It's the topic where you can talk about the sensitive matter. Because that's just like bringing up, here's the sensitive thing going on. To me, this was really hard. Not because James Gordon is so great. And just to see him fail is really hard for me. But because... (laughs) Honestly, his jokes to me before we talked about it and before you explained all that you explained, I just thought they were just the same. To me, he was making fun of Harvey Weinstein, you know? To me, the women were not the butt of the joke. The abuse was not the butt of the joke. And 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 so it, it makes me nervous because, you know, nowadays it's really hard to be funny and not offend someone and obviously, if he was making fun of women or the abuse that they endured, that's terrible, you know? I personally don't believe that was his intent. I don't believe it was his writer's intent, if there were writers writing those jokes for him. And I think it was, they missed the mark, like so many people say nowadays when they, you know, tweet their apologies, you know? <laughs> well, my jokes missed the mark, but and like, I'm sorry about that. Honestly, yeah. I, his joke, I, I, I read it. I didn't hear it. I read it and I and I thought to myself, 
I would have come up with something like that. Mm-hmm. And since we moved to New York, especially, I have encountered the reality that I am not politically correct enough for a lot of people. And not to make this about me, but just like it is a it is a process like learning how to make a joke and not offend someone. And it's interesting to me that James Corden, who's a really accomplished performer and comedian, you know, could make a mistake like this. But I mean I didn't even know it was a mistake before someone told me it was, hmm. you know, so. Well, I think there's nuances to this, uh, to this. Something I was talking about with people this weekend was sort of the online culture and the logic that people use in online culture. But this is an issue that's always existed. I mean, it was years ago that Chris Rock was saying, maybe a few years ago, that Chris Rock was saying that Sometimes jokes do get offensive when you're working them and you have to find the nuance of the language so that it's not offensive. And that's always been the challenge, right? You know, like when you're pushing the envelope, the idea is just to push that envelope closer to the edge, but not to actually cross the line. And sometimes you can accidentally cross the line. And I think James Corden and his writers made a mistake, but there's always been this nuance. I think the two things that, Uh, That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is a lot of the stuff that people go raging about online, I don't know if it's always the best take. And so, and this is just in general, um, I think a lot of times where it's like hard to be funny and offend people, sometimes people who just get offended anyway get offended. And it's not that you actually crossed any line right. i've never seen you cross any lines on stage or off so i don't necessarily know but you're wearing rose-colored glasses <laughs> at all times. oh i need to take these off um but i don't know you say that but i know that i've offended people you know but but also this whole james corden thing like Obviously, he wasn't getting a great response from the audience, and he kept going. Yeah, you know. So and I like to think it. that I can read an audience, um, you know, and especially because I'm so self conscious. If mm-hmm. I see any, if I feel any, uh, um, if I feel any resistance to a joke that I'm saying or offense that's being taken, I shut down pretty fast. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, even yeah. if I don't understand what I did or how what I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. I will stop. (laughs) Well, you're not the only person who's felt that, um, you know, it can be a little hard to navigate these days. And I think there's a lot of nuance to it. There's a lot to talk about with it. But I've heard, of course, everyone's trying to give Jerry Seinfeld a hard time. But Conan O'Brien said, you know, it's kind of hard right now to um, do comedy that is completely inoffensive to someone. It's it's easy to step on some sort of landmine, I think. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone can really argue with that. Now, some people hear this sort of talk that we're having, and they're going to say, well, why can't you just not be offensive? And in their mind, they're thinking racist jokes are clearly obviously offensive jokes. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, um, we're just, talking about the sort for, of jokes everyone has made. Yeah. I mean, like, if you don't know us, we're not racist. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. And that's another thing is maybe I'm, I just, you know, and maybe this is what happened with James Corden. It's like 
for me, I'm like, if you know, if you've talked with me for two seconds, you know I'm a pretty good person. Mm-hmm. And James Corden, he's like lovable. He's not my favorite late night talk show host, but he's lovable and adorable and cute and British and just, you know, so sweet, you know? <laughs> and he's a liberal, you know, as are most Hollywood people. And so it's, and so he might have taken it for granted that any audience listening to him tell these jokes would be like, oh, of course They'll he get doesn't. It. They'll get it. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, he, I think, I wonder if his, the little faux pas he had a little while ago at the Emmys where he kissed Sean Spicer. There's that picture that went around of him kissing Sean Spicer yeah. on the cheek. I wonder if that made rub people the wrong way and this was just the like blowback Jimmy from Jimmy Fallon it. playing with Donald Trump's hair rubbed people the wrong way and they right. never trusted him ever again. Which was so ridiculous because he, yeah. like, he was like, oh, he didn't do anything. It's like, well, he did, actually asked him about Russia and <laughs> Vladimir Putin yeah. and then made him look like, it, you know, it was messed with his hair to make him look stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like his hair was all wild. But anyway, um, I've talked about that enough on air. But, uh, you know, some of... The criticism that you hear about things online, the take is fine, but maybe the way they are talking about it is like over the top. Sometimes the take is bad, uh, but they're not being so over over the top about it. I think there are always things to sort of think about. You never want to, no one's trying to hurt anybody. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Bobby Slayton maybe doesn't care. I don't like him as a comic, but, um, you know, there's certain things that are obviously offensive and some things... There's that nuance. And I think, I'm not saying James Corden should get fired, and I'm not railing against him or anything, but I think it was a mistake, essentially. You know, like, I essentially just think he made a mistake. Those jokes weren't the right approach. And the reason no one got mad about Seth Meyers or SNL is because they took the approach that was inoffensive. And I think that's when we go back to this topic of nuance and finding the right language for things uh, that Chris Rock was saying, because... Once you find that language, then people can see the funny in it, and you just surprise them and you make them laugh. But if you don't find that language and you don't surprise them in the right way and make them laugh, then all you're left with is an offensive sort of thought lingering in their mind. And I get that. And I see that there's a nuance, and I think the average person doesn't know that there's that nuance. But what I don't like about what goes on now is how people hide behind comedy as like an excuse for offending people is like oh i wasn't trying to offend people i see that i have it i'm sorry is really just the best approach but so many people are taking the approach of well you know in comedy we're trying to push the limits and da 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 it's just like lame yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's so many bad responses yeah to things. uh so in regards to this sort of topic and sort of transitioning into a separate way of handling things but, like, how do we change as a culture and a community? Not necessarily in how we write jokes and how we assess situations or things like that, but going back to the improv discussion in regards to harassment and making people uncomfortable. So, in that episode, there was something that Katie Holcomb of Coalition Theater said, which was about the improv shoes. Uh, that was a, a nice anecdote that she shared about a student who was doing a scene and it was established that the student was going to give the other person a foot massage. So that student proceeded to take off that scene partner's shoes and actually give them a foot massage. And the instructor stopped the scene and said, well, wait a second, we don't want to actually massage their feet. 
Right. Don't actually take off their shoes. Take off their <sighs> improv shoes. That makes me uncomfortable because feet are just the grossest things ever. <laughs> Why would you touch anyone's feet? Why would you touch your own feet? Why do we have feet? I just hate feet so much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know... <laughs> It's not a common problem that's going to happen, probably. Someone's not actually going to take off your shoes. I hope but not. I hope not. But somebody did, and somebody else might. And so it's a good idea to think about, like, oh, that's something you don't do. And our good friend back from Greenville, South Carolina, from back home, Andy Rourke, who's going to be next week's guest. I'm very excited about that, by the way. He thought that was a really interesting anecdote. He liked it, and he wanted to know what other sort of things like improv shoes are there, out there. And so I asked a few people, and Katie Holcomb said something. She said that the same rule of the take off your improv shoes, take off their improv shoes, can really apply to many scenarios. But she also tells people not to throw their real chairs, but to throw improv chairs and she mostly says mm-hmm. that because it hurts her ears. But yeah, yeah. Also, you can every time it happens, you're like, "Oh, is that chair broken now?" Yeah, and it's like, Ugh! Ugh! yeah, there's this loud racket yeah. that just makes everyone go like, it takes Ugh! them out of the scene. <laughs> it takes them out of the scene though, because you're not expecting that. So it's a good idea to just like go up to a some invisible object and pick it up right. and throw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jill Bernard was also in the episode. She said, try playing romance from a distance. People who want to be together but can't. So then you're not touching anyone. Yeah. You know, you're not crossing any boundaries. Yeah. Um, Also, I asked Ilana Fishbein, also another former guest, also magnet theater um, legend. Can we say that? Uh, (laughs) uh, Her first, she said, my first thought out of the gate is assume no one wants to be touched. Uh, she doesn't know that she regularly says that in class, but she thinks that it's probably a good thought to consider. Yeah. Which it is. And not only is it a good thought, it was one reiterated by Rick Andrews. He was saying, especially in classes, he thinks refraining from prolonged physical contact is good. Also, don't touch people's hair. If you're going to give them a haircut, give them a pretend haircut, touch their pretend hair. Yeah. Lots of people don't want their hair touched. Very true. Lots of people don't. That was from Rick Andrews. And another. Solange. Yes. Oh, Solange. I love Solange. We all love Solange. Um, Rick Andrews, another magnet theater legend. Uh, um, legend. Louis Kornfeld, his scene partner, is his partner in crime with uh, Kornfeld and Andrews. And uh, our level three instructor. Yeah. And of Magnet Theater, he seconded the hair note, and he also said, for whatever reason, lots of students have a hard time including not touching hair as part of the respect physical boundaries rule, and he generally doesn't see it coming from a hostile place. He just thinks people have a hard time imagining pretend hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it which is true, and it it can sometimes look weird when someone's. Uh, made their fingers uh, scissors, which you shouldn't do, and then their hand is like a foot from the person's head. But, um, you know, we're all playing make-believe, so just go along with make-believe and let the audience join us. And Megan Gray said something really cool. Another magnet theater. Legend. (laughs) She said, I heard that in Philly they respect the old-timey bathing suit rule. 
which basically means it's okay to touch someone's hand or forearm and not go farther than that. Of course, sometimes you got to like tag someone out and that's yeah. general idea is just like, you know, you don't want to touch uh, anywhere other than just like the top of that shoulder, the mm-hmm. little tip of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Brian James O'Connell, previous guest as well. He's at the IO in the Pack Theater. Another legend <laughs> out there in California. And uh, he's IO West. And he said whenever a student takes off their real glasses in a scene for dramatic effect, he always says, don't take off your real glasses unless you are ready to take off your real pants. And that usually does the trick for them just sort of like thinking about not touching stuff. Yeah. Not actually doing stuff. Um, And he also tells them it's hard to put a real cup down on a fake table, which is when his saying that just reminded me of the... uh, you can call me Al video from Paul Simon. Yeah. <laughs> like Chevy Chase puts drops a drink. And then, uh, you know, there are a couple experiences that you and I have had, and I think they're worth sharing. I think uh, one good note is don't throw people under the bus. That's not a, <laughs> a great idea. You don't want to put someone out on a limb and make them, you know, it's it could be kind of nerve-wracking doing improv scenes and so, so we're not just talking about physical i think i think it does uh we do get into an area of beyond physical stuff just like emotional stuff because a lot of the nothing's gonna happen if you touch my hair i'm just gonna feel uncomfortable so that's yeah. really an emotional mental thing really right. and um throw people under the bus that's pretty all-inclusive i mean i know mm-hmm. you can get more specific but um but yeah, there's just so many ways to do that. Yeah, and I think one of those ways it happened to me. It's not as significant of, of a scene that happened, but someone, I had sort of established something in this uh, three-person scene, and uh, it made sense to establish it consider considering what else was going on in the scene, and a person just kind of like threw me under the bus, made me look like a weirdo, and... <laughs> and uh, and like walked out and was like, okay, that didn't make scene sense, but it also didn't make comedic sense, really, because it didn't heighten anything. It just made me look like an idiot. So I was kind of like, well, that's not cool. But something that happened to you, one of the first things we did when we were here, it was this jam show. Mm-hmm. and uh, So we're playing with people that we don't know and that right. don't know us. We just met these people, and, and this one guy... Uh, He's a person of color. He brought you out in uh, a scene, and he initiated the scene, I believe, but he immediately goes... He he initiated this game, kind of apropos of nothing, because there's nothing you did that prompted this. He just kind of out of nowhere said something along the lines of, don't be... You're going to meet my dad, but don't be racist. And sort of implied that your character was uh, somehow racially awkward. Mm-hmm. about things was, was that how you remember it i mean yeah i think i thought and i guess i'm i misread but i don't uh, think you did by the way but go ahead i thought that i was supposed to be a racist character it was pretty and, like, obvious that he was and pimping that, like, you to be a racist character and the bad guy of the scene exactly. obviously yeah you know? <laughs> it was it was pretty obvious as an observer that he was he almost directly said it the implication to the audience was oh her character is racist in an improv scene, the improv implication is be a racist character. And you actually made a really good 
take on that. You didn't just go crazy, super prejudiced, bigot, racist. You um, you did the racially awkward thing when the dad did come in. Um, you like you were like, oh, I don't know how to greet you. Do I bow or something like that? You know, because of a, it was like playing with stereotypes essentially, but. You weren't saying the stereotypes are right. You were saying this buffoon character I'm playing is up here not knowing how to behave with these people and does something stereotypical. Totally good move. But the guy who initiated that you were a racist made you out to... Like, he got super un- awkward. Yeah, and, and it seemed like he was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then He's I like, felt awkward like an asshole because mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Like oh no he, he totally bailed you know so I don't know that was like it was like one of the risks of playing in a jam with people you don't know you know you never know what's gonna happen but that's exactly why I feel like he was so even more so in the wrong because he pimped you to do something and then bailed on it and then he's gonna try to act uncomfortable so for one in a jam setting like you're saying you don't know people. So maybe don't initiate something of sensitive subject matter with strangers. Sure. But more so, if you're going to initiate something of sensitive subject matters, support the hell out of your scene partner who yes-anded you. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. thought that was such bullcrap of him to, like, act uncomfortable and bail and, and kind of put you out on yeah. in the spot like that. Like, Yeah, I mean, like... I'm sure he's a great person, but I did feel really bad at the time, you know, because I was like, oh, man, now I'm coming off as all racist. Yeah, and not you know? not to your fault, but because he essentially told you to do that, <laughs> and then he bailed on it. It was just, just like, terrible. Um, um, I have another thing that I would like to tell people go about, it. like, boundaries and mm-hmm. making your scene partner uncomfortable. And I might be in the minority, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's worth mentioning because I've encountered it many times. I really hate, and okay, this might be personal, but I really hate when people initiate a scene or a game that requires me to lay on the floor. I hate oh, that. That's a really good because, note. Because, like, that's the not dirty. fair. The floor's <laughs> dirty. And I'm a germaphobe, and I know I'm not the only germaphobe. Yeah. And I just don't want to lie on the floor. I don't want to put my face on the floor. I don't want to put my hair on the floor. I don't want to put my hands on the floor. To be perfectly honest, I don't want my knees on the floor. And that might be extreme, but I'm just saying that's how much I hate it. Mm-hmm. And and people go and lie down on the floor like it's nobody's business. This happened the other day in an improv scene I was in, and it was a group game, and we all were lying on the floor, and I was like... Well, there goes my evening because I'm going to take a shower this evening. I wasn't planning on having to do that, but now I have to because... And also, we live in New York, and the floor is extra dirty. So, I don't know. Just, yeah, I don't mean to laugh, um, but, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of people think about that, but I think no, about I it think so. daily. No, that is a very, very good note, and I so didn't it, think like, about obviously that. No one's, obviously, no one is um, encroaching on my physical space. Right. Um. And I'm sure they don't mean anything emotionally damaging mm-hmm. to me, but it makes me so uncomfortable to have to lie on the floor. So uncomfortable. Very good so. note. Um, also, and some, there's maybe kind of a, a iteration of that. We I also talked to a couple of our old alchemy comedy friends. Harrison Brookie said that uh, something in Al Renthia, who was in the harassment episode, has said 
to the group is to use your real-world relationship touch boundaries as a rule of thumb for improv touch brown boundaries. So essentially, just seeing if I'm in a scene with you, I'm going to hug you. Like if, if it calls for it, I'm not just going to do it just because. Yeah. <laughs> like I haven't hugged my baby today. <laughs> uh, but I just mean I can hug you. So if the scene calls for it, then sure, fully hug. Yeah, I remember the other day um, I tapped into a scene where I knew you would pick me up because that was what that character does. Right. And I was like, I know he'll pick me up and I won't care. Yeah. In and fact, if it I was, love it. if it was anyone else who was on the stage with us, it was a jam situation. Yeah. So I didn't know anyone else. So you and if them. one of the other people, I wouldn't have picked them up. Yeah. obviously, <laughs> I would not have touched them. And that, and so that's the, uh, good example, really perfect example of that note. And another is you can lightly gesture some someone's body to move forward or sit down, but never physically force anyone to do anything. And that kind of is along yeah. what you were just saying about laying on the floor. And our buddy Ben Burris, also a co-founder of Alchemy, said, don't make choices that limit other people's choices. There are a lot that's of ways not, to do that. That's lying on the floor. That's lying on the floor. You're like, we're all lying on the floor, guys. When no, I limit no, my choice, can, that's yeah, all you I can't, got. You can't walk away. Um and so, and that's, you know, a physical thing right there. Um, but even just putting someone, and Ben went on to say, like, just putting someone in a fight or flight or triggering situation should be avoided. And, you know, Harrison kind of said as a rule of thumb, he thinks scenes should generally be more mundane. Um, I don't exactly I know what he means. I'm sure like Monday. he means grounded. Yeah, I think he means grounded and not like two person talking head scene because yeah. I know he doesn't like that. But um, and Ben also said, avoid putting someone in a victim of the game or like in a position after yes and into deep discomfort sort of situation. Right. And I, I think even that goes along the lines of how well do you know the person? If I know that someone, because I'm close with them, will be totally game for going with, along with certain, uh, material, then I can go there with them. But if it's a, someone I just don't know what their boundaries are emotionally or with topics, then I don't want to push that on them. Okay, so that's all the stuff about just like, how can we be better to our scene partners and uh, maybe even better people? And maybe be better than James Corden. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, let's move on. So we had kind of a big weekend here. Uh, up here, there were two festivals going on uh, over the weekend. I believe uh, one started Thursday. It was a musical improv festival. It was going on at Magnet Theater. And I got to see opening night. Great. Uh, saw a couple of teams that were here in New York City, but one out from San Francisco. And it was so fun. And uh, everyone's really great and inventive, and uh, the songs were fun, and the musicians, like, there's the pianist, I, I don't remember his name, but the guy from Magnet is fantastic. He does the, uh, p- plays the piano for the musical improv, and he was in a couple of the shows, and it was just great. He's always really solid. And uh, one of them was kind of a hip-hop group, and um, they were fun because I think in some cases when you see a hip-hop improv group, there is a little more focus on like how good of a rap song can this be this particular group there were people up there that you wouldn't think could rap and they were rapping well but the focus was more on like how can i set up in a good way a good joke and so or a you know good direction for the scene to go so they were killing it that was a lot of fun and uh you weren't there for that show though 
Um, so I'll stop talking about it. <laughs> but we, you were there with me, uh, or I was there with you, uh, for the Sketch Fest at the Pit, which was so fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to go see our friends Henry and Mari because they were up here and they stayed with us. More on them in a second. Previous guests from the uh, Charleston, uh, beginning of the year when we were in Charleston. But... Um, Sketch Fest, so fun. Adam Hamway, previous guest, he was doing Fallon tonight. Uh, great show. Anything you sort of picked up on being there at the Sketch Fest? Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was cool to see a lot of different people coming out to shows and mm-hmm. being in the shows. And Henry and Mari killed it. Yeah, they, they were, so were great. Funny. They always are. Yeah, but it's always like that's one of the fun things about them is. Whenever you see a show, even if you've seen it before, it's still just fun. And you're still just like, gosh, you're killing it. You just still appreciate it. Yeah, they're really good actors. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that their content is original and it's 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 really great. And yeah, it was a great time. I don't yeah. know what else to say. Well, speaking of original content, their content is incredibly original. It's funny because a lot of the topics or direction is very relatable. Yeah. But their sure. show does not come off like any old show. Yeah, their style is also super original. Like yeah, the that's... Way they do it. Yeah, the way they go Maybe about it. Maybe more so than the content, even though the content is original. But their mm-hmm. style is like, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. In a really good way. Yeah, I think when we moved up here and we saw a few shows, like blog logs and different things, it was super eye-opening. And it was like, oh, crap. This is phenomenal. This is what sketch can be. I feel that same experiencing Henry and Mari. Um, and a lot of times you see sketches are like, these are funny sketches, and then you're just going to move on. But um, when it's something that's sort of like a little mind-blowing, it's just, I just love that. When you don't know what you're going to get, but you love what you're getting. Um, I, I think that's so inspiring. And just to reiterate, their group is the Nameless Number Head. Yes. And they do sketch out of Charleston, but they yeah. travel all over. Yeah, and uh, they also performed at Vassar uh, while they were up here. And uh, so also we got to spend time with them, which I feel like hanging out with them, it's always like an edifying experience because they're so smart and wise and funny. They're This is the kind of funny I think they are, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but they're the kind of funny that... I will think, oh, I'm not that funny, so maybe I shouldn't be trying to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Aww. Like, there's a second of getting psyched out, but then uh, they're like so encouraging, also, that you're like, well, no, I will go. <laughs> I will keep doing it. I just love that about them. Like, that it's like inspiring and encouraging uh, to the like highest degree. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best kind of people. Well, folks, this has been today's episode. We talked comedy shop. So we gave you what we said we were going to give you. What are some things that people can take back uh, from this episode? Be good people. Uh, consider people's boundaries and body and when you're in scenes with them. Uh, consider other people when you're coming up with jokes. Like Maybe don't put them in the butt of the joke unless they really deserve it. Just don't make someone lie down on the floor <laughs> yes definitely not in any city what about in um yoga though they have to lie on the floor but you but don't like, do yoga really 
They don't. <laughs> and I do. And you don't. It's not on the floor. Also, a stage picture. Not all theaters are um, stadium seating. Mm-hmm. So if you lie down on the floor, it's bad for the audience anyway. Yeah. Honestly, even in the stadium seating theaters, sometimes if they lie on the floor, then it's like, oh, I can't really see them. Yeah. <laughs> like, the person in front of me is a little too tall for that. So if you're not going to think about your stage partner, think about the audience. Mm-hmm. It's not good for them either. Agreed. Uh, well, folks, <laughs> that's how strong I agree. Mm. Well, folks, that was today's episode of Comedy Shop Talk episode. And of course, you can always follow us on Twitter and Facebook at There It Is Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes, Facebook at Actor Comedian Jason Farr. I never say that because it's so long. Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. And, uh, and I got a Facebook, and if we're friends, I will friend you. <laughs> and that's how you can follow me. That's true. And there's nothing else that you have online. You don't even have a LinkedIn, do you? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Well, uh, she's got a job, so no point in sharing that with y'all. Unless you can offer me something better. Like a million dollars. For no work. (laughs) Thanks, folks. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.